Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode may contain strong language, nudity, and dated pop culture references. Parental discretion is advised. From coast to coast, it's Two Packs with me, Jeffrey Golden. Welcome to Two Packs, a trading card comedy show where we open up packs of weird, retro, behind-the-scenes cards with a funny friend. This week, we've got something different planned, as you can no doubt tell from the audio quality. Today, I'm joined by the hilarious cartoonist behind the book Masterpiece Comics. His work has appeared in The New Yorker, Nickelodeon Magazine, The Daily Show, and he worked on a number of classic trading cards, including Garbage Pail Kids, which is what we'll be talking about today. So, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Sikoriak. Hello, Bob. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. We're really, we're coast to coast here. Yes. Me in LA, you in New York. Our voices are flying over the country right now. Yes, we're in our own media bubbles. We should rename the show Bubble to Bubble. That's good. I like that. To get started, I want to talk to you about your career in trading cards. You're known for drawing these amazing literary mashup comics. You'll take characters, iconic comic book characters like Batman, the Lulu, the Garfield, and you will mash them up with different things. It's really amazing work. Thanks. One of your early gigs was drawing and and writing gags for trading cards. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. How did you get involved with the Topps Company? I had the great fortune of working with Art Spiegelman and Francoise Mouly at Raw Magazine, which was their comics anthology that they were doing through the 80s. I got involved with them around 87, 88. One of Art's day jobs was working at the Topps Bubblegum Company. He asked me to come in one day and write some gags. I was working totally freelance. It was just project to project. At this point, was Garbage Pail Kids a thing? I definitely remember the hype surrounding Garbage Pail Kids when it came out. It was They were very controversial. Parents wouldn't let kids purchase them. At schools, they would confiscate them. Was Garbage Pail Kids already blowing up at Tops at that time, or was this before that media storm? Oh, by the time I was there, it was already... It was already storming. It was, uh, it was no, there was no question. I think I worked on series 14 and they put them out super fast, but it had already been a few years since Garbage Pail Kids came out. I'm going through my files now. Yeah. So the project I worked on came out in 1988. So by 1988, they had already done 13 series of Garbage Pail Kids. That is correct. How many cards are in a series or, or were in a series at that time? Oh, I, I should have looked this up for you to be sure, but I believe it was 30 paintings and then each character had two different names. 
Oh my goodness, 30 paintings. Cause because the art on garbage pill kids, it's not like we open a lot of traded cards on this show. And some of the art, like it's very clear. Not a lot of time was spent, especially with cards that were like movie cards. They're just like stills from the movie. They take stills from the movie. They put a border on them. Bing, bang, boom, you're done. Garbage Pill Kids were not like that at all. These are very detailed drawings. Yes, every drip of snot is lovingly rendered. (laughs) So you wrote gags for the backs of Garbage Pill Kids cards. Yes, that's right. There was a group that would come up with the concepts for the front. And I think sometimes they would do sketches and then those would be passed on to the people who'd actually do the paintings. I came into this at at the 14th series. So they had come up with, my math is going to be a little shaky, (laughs) somewhere around 700 different ideas at that point, if I'm doing doing the math right. So I sensed a certain exhaustion, (laughs) Not not in the actual results, but in the brainstorming room. How many name plus derogatory phrase that is the same letter can you come up with, you know? Right, right, right. And then you have to have two variants of it. So it was his head exploding. I know he was Adam Bomb. I can't remember what his other name was, but he had another name. Boom Boom Benny? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Tops. Maybe could have, could have been. I could have been a contender. Were you actually coming into their offices or did you have like an office? I sat in the room where there were a group of people working. I didn't have, Uh, I didn't have my own cubicle and I didn't have my own office. It was really fun and I'm really glad I got to pitch in, but I was one of many, many people who were writing and drawing for them. So who were some uh, of you? It wasn't like I had, they didn't like paint my name on the glass door or anything. (laughs) I'm imagining, I was imagining like a Mad Men-esque, you know, office where everybody is pitching a Don Draper figure. Right. The process was almost like the way they punch up a movie script in Hollywood where you get a bunch of really talented folks together to sort of come up with ideas or like a sitcom writer's room kind of thing. I think so. Yeah. I mean, there weren't that many people there all at once. You know, the people who were doing the paintings, I don't think I'd ever met them. Maybe they came by once or twice. I wasn't there every day. I think I would come in once or twice a week to like deliver my gags and then we'd go through them and they'd tell me which ones were terrible and which ones they'd use and sometimes those were the same ones but (laughs) (laughs) I would be there once or twice a week I would do concept drawings for future candy projects that Some of them, I don't even know if they happened or not. In the 80s in New York, there is this incredible indie cartoonist scene. And you were mentioning some of the names. Uh, Are there names, do you think, uh, if we're fans of cartoonists that we'd recognize that were also working at the tops at the time? Well, it really depends on project to project. Art Spiegelman and Mark Newgarden were the two folks I was working with the most at tops. And Mark... Uh, has done many things. Uh, he had a book come out from Fantagraphics a few years ago called We All Die Alone, which is a collection of his gay <laughs> cartoons, which are really hilarious and much more <laughs> conceptually and uh, psychologically darker than Tops would necessarily let him do. I mean, he's brilliant. He was one of, actually Art and Mark. I took classes with both of them and I learned so much from them in terms of my cartooning approach. Drew Friedman did a lot of work. Um, oh, that's amazing. He, he worked on Toxic High, which was a, a series that was happening around yes. that time. Yeah, we um, opened Toxic High uh, cards recently on the show. There was a Pee Wee's Playhouse. We and, opened um, those two. I'm pretty sure that Gary Panter and Ken yeah. worked on those. I feel like David Sandlin worked on something, but I'm not 
sure now. Like there were a lot of people, and you know, most of the work is uncredited. Um, right. I mean, o- only now are people writing about it and putting out books where more of the unsung heroes are kind of mentioned. Because Art was involved for so many years, he pulled in a lot of people from the alternative comic scene, and it ended right. up there would be a lot of familiar names. That's so cool. I think it's great that like you guys had a day job that while not necessarily the artistic pursuit that you you would have wanted, like that it was like creative and made a huge impact on people. Oh, I I would say so for sure. And the fact that they're still making them now is is also a testament to that because I mean, it's, it's generational now. I'm I can't imagine that the only people buying them now are people who were famous in the 80s. So it's like they definitely hit. Hit a nerve. Hit a nerve. Hit a nerve. I was very happy to work there. I grew up with wacky packages and all the other things that sort of evoke that aesthetic, like Mad Magazine and things like that. So I felt very much at home there. You also got a chance to work a little bit behind the scenes at Bazooka Joe as well. Yes, I think Bazooka Joe is a great comic form. Yeah, actually, one of the other artists I should have mentioned was Howard Cruz, who drew the reboot of Bazooka Joe in the 80s. And that was around the time that I was working at Tops, and they asked me to write gags, which I thought was very exciting. Um, <laughs> I love like compression in comics. I love the idea of boiling it down, and, and those things are about as boiled down as you can get. So what was maybe the most fun about that was that they opened up their files and I got to get uh, copies of all the early Bazooka Joe rappers. So for those of you who don't know, Bazooka Joe was the rapper that the gum came in. Um, oh my goodness. It was I, like, I, I would hope that you wouldn't have to explain to this audience oh, okay. what okay. Bazooka Joe is. <laughs> if they don't know, you know what? If they don't know what Bazooka Joe is, they have not been paying attention. Yeah, what, what episode is this by now? Like 40 something. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a little late. Okay. Um, I mean, I always, all of my references are often before my time. So I, I worry about anyone slightly younger than me not knowing what I'm talking about. But, but I'm glad to hear it. Anyway. Three to four panel gag comic strips. Every week I would write a few of those. I'd bring them in and uh, they'd buy a few of them and I'd get paid, you know, I don't know, it was like 25, 35 bucks for a gag. It wasn't, I mean, it was oh great. out of school, it was awesome. Boy, rates for comics have not changed much, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I mean, 30 years. and this is, I mean, these were sketches too. The idea was that Howard would draw them. I must have sold about 20 or 30. Yeah, it was great. I mean, one of the things that got me very excited about working there was I was walking to the subway one day and uh, I saw like a gum wrapper on the ground and I thought that's going to be me. Like I actually, (laughs) I saw my future and I was very excited to be part of like the cultural detritus, the landscape of cultural detritus, I don't know, something like that. And if you've ever seen one Bazooka Joe gag then you know how they work they're very right. they're very dumb there's a cast of characters and they just they have dumb little adventures <laughs> but it's like there's a purity to it like a haiku yes. in, in comics form yes yes absolutely because they're so small you could fit like i counted them out i think you could fit like 10 15 words in a panel i can't remember what it was but you know it's like very spare uh, right. And it is like haikus in that sense that it literally has to be, you have to kind of count your spaces out. Was Toxic High produced the same way as uh, a group of people like pitching on ideas in a room or was there a different process for for that? I felt like that was Mark Newgarden's and Drew Friedman's baby. It all kind of generated from them. I was involved maybe even more peripherally in that. Again, I was writing gags for the backs of the cards. So for Garbage Pail Kids, everyone remembers the fronts, but like the backs of the cards would have like 
fake diplomas. You yeah, know, let's about- look. I'm gonna while you talk. I'm gonna I'm okay, gonna uh, I'm gonna open this uh, this right now so we can. I will. Open, I'm literally opening pack as we I, do. I never here. get tired of the audio from that. I know, isn't that great? That's great. <laughs> oh well, a lot of these are pop cultures. I see. They must have at some point they must have done '80s spoof stickers <laughs> because there's one that says this Marshmallow Manny who looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. He's like roasting humans on a burning building. This one's a sticker, so it doesn't really have much on the back. This one, Limber Luigi, is looks like uh, Luigi of Super Mario fame, but he's distorting himself as he tries to fit into a pipe. Do any of these have the copy on the back? So hilariously, none of these have the original copy on the back, which doesn't help our purposes. <laughs> Do any of these ring a bell? Jules Drools? It's <laughs> uh, a young... Uh, sort of like Adam Bomb with the explosion on the head, but is also drooling and it's like water it's like drool coming out of the head as an explosion like water coming out of the head there's elaine vane she's like a weightlifter but she's lifting weights so hard that you can see veins like all over her body which is pretty gross i have to say like the tropes all sound familiar <laughs> right i mean pd phlegm pd phlegm ring any bells he uses he's like a like an 80s punk kid who like spits a snot out of his nose like graffiti and is using it to draw a butt <laughs> there the bells are ringing but i'm not sure where they're coming from <laughs> one more for you here lizard lou looks like well, this one's, I'm not sure I quite understand this one. That happens looks, at the end of every series. <laughs> right, yeah, where there's like a couple that like kind of go over everybody's head a little bit. This this one, it looks like, oh, maybe it's a lizard shedding its skin. So he's like a boy, like a lizard boy, and he's got like green flaps of skin, but the skin is like coming off. But it looks like there's skeleton underneath, not like another like lizard skin so i guess it's just he's just shedding his skin to reveal skeleton that sounds like Uh, a great visual could you recall any of the ones that you worked on yeah i have my sketches here it's funny i have my sketches and somewhere buried in another box is the (laughs) the actual cards but i think some of these got through the series i was doing was a parody of believe it or not i don't remember (laughs) what funny name we came up with to not be sued by the believe it or not people but um <laughs> but i it was a similar thing to what you're talking about now it was sort of it's flooding back to me because i would go through all of the characters that they'd used in previous cards and i would try to come up with gags about them i have a picture of sandy claude a santa claus knockoff he's a kid with stubble wearing a santa claus suit cool and he has a complete list of the boys and girls who've been good this year and then it says at the bottom, and for $10, he'll put anybody on the list. <laughs> That's, he's the, listen, he's open to bribes. Sure. He's got to make some money. So, he's got to get his beak wet. His, Santa, right. <laughs> his stubbled Santa beak wet. Yes. No beak, but uh, but yes, there is the stubble. <laughs> Buy some razors. And then Audio Augie has 5357 1,111 records in his collection. Unfortunately, he's deaf. 
So <laughs> kind of like uh, the Twilight Zone, where he's he's can finally read, and yes. then he destroys his glasses, and he's it's just like functionally that. blind. It's it's that uh, it's that exactly, but for children. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you reconnect with this stuff, what does it make you feel? How do you feel thinking about it now? I was really excited to be published. I mean, first of all, that was really exciting to get my work out there, and it certainly. I had affection for these series, you know, in some form or another. Garbage Pail Kids essentially came out of wacky packs, as I mentioned before. Uh, and I love those. It felt like I was being part of a tradition. And I also, as a freelance artist, I love thinking about people who just do the gigs and then you look back and then you see a body of work. It's fun to think of like Art Spiegelman is going to be known for <laughs> winning the Pulitzer Prize for his graphic memoir, Mouse, but he also worked at Tops for many years. And it's just the, the life of a freelance artist is kind of fascinating to me. You know, just the journeyman toiling away and making a body of work, making a living. I love the idea that people who would not know any of my other work that is actually credited to me would go, oh, I remember Garbage Pail Kids very vividly. <laughs> like it's exciting to think of reaching a different audience. And I love doing work for kids. So I love helping that tradition move forward too, I guess. Speaking of American traditions, protest, there's a vast movement now resisting Trump. And you're involved with a fascinating project. You call it the unquotable Trump, right? Yes, yes. You're using your God-given gift of a parody and protesting Trump by slinging his own quotes back at him, but recontextualizing them as classic comic book covers. Right, right. That's very good. It's funny that you say that I'm involved in a project because... <laughs> Nobody asked me to do this. <laughs> it, was just, it, was I felt, it was something I felt really compelled to do. And it occurred to me right before the election, I was just exhausted about, with all of his quotes that just seemed so unpleasant and unkind and uncivil. And even though I work for Topps Bubblegum, I felt like the level of civility had really gone away. <laughs> yeah, isn't that amazing that like, you know, you as a contributor to Garbage Pail Kids can look at his quotes and be disgusted. <laughs> yeah. I'd done parodies of presidents before. I did some work for The Daily Show when Bush was president. So I, I'm occasionally political, but I was really just struck by how dismissive he is of his enemies. And I'm talking about Trump now. How dismissive yeah. he is of his enemies and just how recklessly he speaks. So There is sort of a supervillain quality to that. I thought so. I thought so. I mean, again, I'm not the first person to think about putting a president or a candidate into parodies of old comic book covers, but I thought using his own words was really important. Like the whole point of it for me was to not, I mean, obviously in some level I'm editorializing because I'm putting him in these contexts, but I'm not changing what he's saying. I think one of the issues that comedians have had with Trump is that it's very hard to parody someone who's already speaking so outlandishly. So for me, it was just really important that I just stick to his script or his not script, his, his right. flying off, his shooting off his mouth. So anyway, I had this idea before the election. I was like, I don't want to think about him anymore. And then he won. Yeah. I was like, I guess I got to do it now. <laughs> I guess I got to move forward with this. Your body of work is so cool. The other project that folks really have to track down of yours, uh, besides uh, Masterpiece Comics, which is a masterpiece, I would say, is your iTunes Terms and Conditions book. I originally published it myself because I didn't know if anyone would want <laughs> to do that. It is a complete 
unabridged adaptation of the complete terms and conditions from Apple. And it's 20,000 words. And it's uh, <laughs> the final book is 100 pages long. And every page is in a different style. And all of the text is verbatim from the terms and conditions. It's a wonderful piece of work. We have the early zine version, but we're desperate to get the new book. Could you know when it comes out, when it is shelves? Yes, it'll be out, I believe, March 7th is the date. And it's coming out from Drawn and Quarterly. And it's called Terms and Conditions, the Graphic Novel. Great. You got to get terms and conditions. You have to be following the unquotable Trump. Are you on, you're on the Twitter? Yes, I'm right? on the Twitter as R. Sikoriak. As R. Sikoriak. Bob, thanks so much for sitting down talking with us today on Two Packs. We really appreciate uh, the inside look at uh, some of our favorite cards here today. You're very welcome. Oh, can I say one more thing? Oh, please. It occurred to me when we were talking about Garage Pell Kids and, and Bazooka Joe, Abrams Comic Art, the publishing house, has been doing this beautiful series of anthologies of Garbage Pail Kids. They did a Bazooka Joe book that I wrote an essay for. They've done like Star Wars collections where they reprint the cards in their entirety. The books are beautifully designed. They even have like wax paper dusk jackets, so they feel like the packaging. And they're That's really so cool. Stuff. Yeah, I need those. I need those desperately. <laughs> You've got a lot of books to buy, folks. And Bob, thanks so much for stopping by. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you to Meltdown Comics, as always, for hosting uh, the show. And for Mason, who's usually in the booth, but uh, not this time. We recorded this from home. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. Two Packs was produced and engineered by Mason Booker. Opening theme by Matt Myers. Break music by Lee Rosevere. Logo by Kenny Kyle. Like the show? Rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us find new listeners as cool as you. Follow us on Twitter at Two Packs Podcast, that's T-W-O, and me at Jeffrey Golden, that's Jeffrey with a G. Special thanks to Meltdown Comics. I left a bunch of these cards at the store for you to take. I'm your host, Jeffrey Golden. Hey, be good to each other. I don't know if you've opened a pack of 1980s trading cards uh, recently, but the the gum doesn't hold up very well, as we've discovered on this show. I don't remember it being holding up in the 80s. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm curious, is it still pink? Uh, it sometimes sometimes it has like these brown liver spots that are pretty gross. I didn't feel very compelled to eat it at the time, so I can't. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.